Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us, too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab, working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah, uh-huh. We got a great band to help make that happen. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the almighty get down! You are joining us on Yeah Aha uh-huh with Lisa and Phil. And of course, our frequent flyer co host, Aaron, whose arms might be tired. And this week, our guest is Jeff Demery. Uh, we're going to be talking about quite a few different topics. And we're starting with um, uh, Friday night concert tickets and what Fish does with their tickets. And I do have an input. Um, from, um, the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead found, uh, some of my brother's art and my brother actually designed backstage passes and tickets, uh, for the Grateful Dead. So if you have awesome. a line drawn dragon from a Grateful Dead concert, that is the art of Daniel Pell. So, I mean, I, I know like- that there is a Grateful Dead fish connection. Well- let these sort gentlemen of. make yeah. that distinction. Yeah, you guys. I'm, I'm curious what year that was. What tour? Um, I wouldn't be able to tell you. It's probably sure. yeah, the Danny 80s. would know. I would think it's the 80s. Yeah, Danny knows. It's the 80s. It was after 85. So because he was he had graduated, so it was after 86. Well, he actually. There are some prints so, of that downstairs. Actually, yeah, we we have the actual prints. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, we store them for him and then whenever he wants to sell a print he'll come to the house and grab a few so jeff Very welcome cool. but you mentioned that you uh just purchased a couple or at least one fish ticket um and so like how many fish concerts have you attended and kind of give us a little background I'm not as many as some of my friends. I have friends that have attended <laughs> upwards of 70 or 100, uh, 100 shows. Wow. And um, I, I saw my first concert in 1993. But then in 1995, I moved abroad and I didn't return until 2009. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I've only seen a couple dozen shows. Mm-hmm. Because okay. I didn't see them the entire entire time that I lived in Asia or Europe. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. You lived in... I mean, but yeah, it never it never grows old, and it's never close to being the same concert twice. And it's mm-hmm. become, I don't know, almost like a uh, as much of a spiritual thing as it is a concert, auditory, musical type of thing, as mm-hmm. well as a social thing. Because you know, I, I hung out with thirty thousand of my friends last weekend, mm-hmm. which is as special as it sounds. Where was that last weekend? Last weekend, we were at a venue that um, people of my generation will always refer to as Deer Creek in Noblesville, Indiana. 
Um, Don't even mention what it's called now. I, I can't remember. It changes names so often. Who knows? But yeah, I, we I happen to know. Won't mention. It. We are of your generation. I'm. I'm assuming. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll, I'll turn fifty here in a few weeks. Oh, okay. I'm we got still you the like oldest. For a darn it. Years there. <laughs> got a couple years. I think we were at Noblesville. Yeah, because I'll remember. be fifty-five. Uh, yeah, that's where we were for. Uh, uh, what's her name? It was either Sabbath or Allison Krauss, mm, one or the other. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I think it was Allison. It's either Sabbath or Allison Krauss. One of those. It's a lot of people's uh, favorite outdoor music venue. I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, we we have Riverbend, but in my humble opinion, it beats Riverbend hands down, mm-hmm. which isn't yeah. isn't difficult. But there you go. I think the Deer Park is closer to us. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's it's almost yeah. like you took uh, Alt or Alt Park or something and set down an outstanding outdoor venue right in the middle of it because it's just surrounded by. Uh, park and you know a lot of foliage and stuff yeah cool if that's the Mm -hmm. correct venue but yeah (laughs) anyway yeah it's hard to say yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, is is deer creek like in the the middle of a park or a forest kind of setting jeff no who's your land corn or soybeans you can take your pick you have your choice they have both corn and soybeans (laughs) because we went to indianapolis for sabbath that uh, matters not. Okay. Matters not. We were, it might even be a third venue that no one's mentioned. Well, like I said in the thread, you know, if we're you not, remember an Allison Krauss concert, you may not have been there, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um oh. so will you do you travel like beyond the tri state area to go to some fish shows? Or? So I, I I suppose on the spectrum of fish fans, I fall somewhat in the middle. Mm-hmm. So okay. I do, but not hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I haven't ever left a job to follow them. Although I have mm-hmm. friends who have, and the temptation is very real. <laughs> but I haven't actually succumbed. The furthest I've driven was to Alpine, which is up in southern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've driven down to Nashville. That's only about four or five hours. It's not, yeah. not too terrible far of a drive, but not a whole lot longer than that. Yeah. We mentioned before um, we started that they are currently playing this weekend in Atlantic City. And I um, I can confess to definitely putting in Google Maps the drive time and seeing how long it would take me from Cincinnati. But Was uh, it like 13 hours? Yeah, it was too far. And school starts on Monday. And it just, mm-hmm. yeah, my heart's yeah. there, but it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as hardcore as some. You know, I, I definitely have friends who went from... Indianapolis from Indiana to the next set of shows in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and are now on the beach in Atlantic City getting ready for, you know, another concert. But Never miss a Sunday show? Yeah. I would imagine, um, you know, knowing our band, it would be worth the drive. And they would make I myself am at 21 shows, um, but I always just catch them locally. The farthest shows I've been to are either Chula Vista, which is down at the Mexican border practically, mm-hmm. or Vegas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, usually Hollywood Bowl or Forum or mm. Holly Pavilion, Santa Monica Civic Auditorium. So the question for you, Brother Aaron, is um, of all the venues where you have not seen fish, where what is uh, kind of top of your list where you would like to see them where they've played? Um, either Gorge or Red Rocks. Mm. Um, I I I got to go to both. Then, then, then MSG, MSG for indoor. Yeah, you know what? You exactly completely um, took my answer. Madison Square Garden. Oh, okay. and the appeal of that for I believe both of us is that the light show inside Madison Square Garden is unprecededented mm-hmm. because it's indoors contained. And, 
It's also uh, above the subway station. Hmm. And uh, you can feel the trains go through and the floor moves in that place. And it's got its own rhythms aside from what the band's doing. And they love it. Oh, wow. That'd be kind of unsettling, maybe. Yes. I was going to say, that would make me nervous. Yeah, the the Baker's Dozen, um, their 13-show residency was at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Yeah. To me, if you can feel the floor moving, there's something wrong with the floor. I don't know. There's um, I got my own story about that in a moment, but I, I have heard an interview with Trey where he said that there's video of the microphone stand boom stand swinging back and forth, and he's mm-hmm. got to swing his body to time it to keep you know in proximity to the microphone, and he um and he thrives on it. He gets off on it. He finds yeah. the buzz. So there is a place not far from Cincinnati called Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. We know about and that. A band that I was previously in, a funk band called the Almighty Get Down, was invited to play a barn dance mm-hmm. out in Rabbit Hash. And my bandmates were confused, although I kind of saw the nexus of bluegrass and funk and all that drinking and dancing and knew it would be a good time. And it was. I mean, it was mm-hmm. one of the best nights ever. And at yeah. one point in the middle of the set, I remember seeing the light fixtures sway. The light fixtures mm-hmm. were definitely rocking back and forth. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, there's a chance we could bring this old barn down. Yeah. I mean, this is not structurally solid. It's an old rabbit hash barn. There is a chance that we actually could, like, this could be bad. Yeah. And I thought it for just long enough. And then the horn riff came up again and I had to, and I was gone. What a, what a fun yeah. night. Well, I'm imagining actually, I think it, it did come down. They've had to rebuild most of Rabbit Hatch. Well, you know, not long after that night, the um, general store owned by a a, a dear friend of ours, Terry Marksbury, did burn Mm -hmm. down. So the general store burned down. Oh, okay. And then there was, you know, our band um, headlined the subsequent benefit concert at Southgate House Revival to raise funds for it. Mm -hmm. So it kind of came. We sent in money, but we didn't attend. So while we were talking about it, if you have a moment to um, stop by Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, it's well worth your mm-hmm. drive, the little hamlet. And the general store there, just walk through and see it and say how to tarry and you understand for yourself. It's a cool place. Yeah, it's kind of uh, touristy. Yeah, you can um, pet the dog, pet the mayor while you're there. Yeah, <laughs> the mayor have... is that. Yes, yeah, get the mayor to wag his tail for you. Dude, I'll love to Rabbit Hash. Yeah, a lot of yeah. these little towns in Kentucky have their own little charm, like mm-hmm. Bardstown, you know. Yeah, and, uh, it's, yeah, and it's fairly local than, to Cincinnati yeah. with the Reds and um, FC and um, the Cyclones and the Bengals when uh, when in residence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, we could talk. I think that we're probably going to have to do our own episode on fish because when you think about fish, you think about rock bands that, you know, actually – um attract a large audience anymore fish is kind of unique and selling out 13 shows at madison square garden um Mm -hmm. is pretty impressive feat for a band that uh that some people would say has a niche following i guess but so it's a large niche it deserves those 13 shows they didn't repeat a song right right mentioned before phil about um you know the connection with the grateful dead Mm -hmm. and that um that that's something that is discussed and debated amongst fans of both bands. And there's fans of both bands that overlap and there's fans who are mm-hmm. just either or. I have plenty of yeah. friends who are Grateful Dead fans who don't want anything to do with Fish and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, I don't know, I was just at the right time to be able to see the beginning of Fish and the end of Jerry Garcia. So I managed, mm-hmm. you know, it's a privilege to be able to hear Jerry Garcia in person a few times. Mm-hmm. So I, it was never a, a either or thing with me. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, it, musically, I don't, I don't think musically they have a whole lot in common at all. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. much less than what people suppose, but culturally they do. And, mm-hmm. and that's where, and that's where, where why Fish deserves this kind of own show too. It ties right. into what we were talking before about how it being much more than just the music on stage. Mm-hmm. They inherited that mantle, that torch that the Grateful Dead have carried, you know, since the mid 1960s of being mm-hmm. cultural, kind of cultural dissonance of, of being a, a, an alternative kind of scene and mm-hmm. keeping that um, that kind of hippie alternative culture alive. Yeah. So the parking lot and what happens out there is just as important. That's the same. That's still Shakedown Street. Mm-hmm. So that part definitely overlaps with great with the Grateful Dead culture. And, you know, obviously we lost Jerry Garcia in 1995. Mm-hmm. And you see, wow. well, I mean, my first concert I mentioned was in 1993, was less than a thousand people in Columbus, Ohio, maybe about 750 people. And then I came back from wow. Thailand in 95 and saw them in Deer Creek in Indiana, and there was 35,000. Like, mm-hmm. where did all these people come from? Well, they, they left the Grateful Dead tour. Mm-hmm. You know, they stopped being deadheads and they became fishheads, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like, uh, yeah, except mm-hmm. we, like we were talking before, if you go to a lot of shows, I bet there's there's a, a community that you see the same people probably, and like you said, Shakedown Street. Same vendors. Yeah. So in that respect, yeah, I definitely can see that. What, what, what is meant by Shakedown Street? For those of us, me included, well, <laughs> who have yeah, no idea, I'll um I'll take an initial stab at it, and then Aaron will um Aaron will listen to I'll fill in any blanks. I know. <laughs> so the name is taken from a Grateful Dead song called "Shakedown Street," mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with anything else other than being the fact it's a Grateful Dead song that has the name "Shakedown Street." Mm-hmm. And there's some cool lyrics in there about partying and. There's not a whole lot going around, but you just kind of kind of look and you'll see it. You'll find a party if you poke around. But that's mm-hmm. kind of the only kind of reference with it. But mm-hmm. we refer to Shakedown Street as the strip of temporary vendors and stalls that set up outside a Grateful Dead or a Fish concert ahead of the show. Mm-hmm. And these can be quite, sorry, Aaron? The marketplace, yeah. Where, where you can buy a bazaar. <laughs> yeah, you can buy literally almost anything, you know, let them, your mind and imagination run off with that one. Yeah. From grilled cheese sandwiches to, you know, all the hippie fashions and hats and tie dyes to glass pipes to stuff that shouldn't be sold and whatever loose beers and kind of a Moses village. Doses. Yeah, it's, it's totally mobile. So right now there's a Shakedown Street that is set up somewhere on the Atlantic Seaboard in Atlantic, you know, Atlantic yeah. City. Yeah. Probably about probably about six or eight blocks right now from where they're at, though. And, uh, That's probably walking, a distant shakedown. I think everybody should honestly, yeah, yeah, I can say this safe. I think everybody should experience walking through Shakedown Street at least once in your life, even if that you never attend a concert, whatever. It's just such a unique cultural experience that you could only possibly find there. It doesn't right. exist anywhere else on the planet. It is so. Maybe it's your cup of tea, maybe it's not. But it, it, so is everything of, overpriced? I don't know. The, Overpriced? Mm-hmm. Usually at like like that kind of venue, you're gonna pay four dollars for a glass of for a bottle of water that you would get for oh, fifty inside. Cent. Yeah, we're talking about Shakedown Street. You're gonna pay yeah, you're gonna pay a buck for a bottle of water. Okay. But I mean like the clothes. <laughs> this isn't this isn't like real um, no, this is people that um they like uh import and export clothes from india and stuff mm-hmm. like that wholesale right. and then they go to these shows and mark it up enough to you know make some money and go to the next shows or whatever 
Okay, so they're 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 finding they're making their living there, but it's 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 different stuff that you find in stores. So this might be something that someone who quit their job might open a stand on Shakedown Street. Yeah, my friends, my friends Ed and Janet um, Mm -hmm. did they did exactly that. They were going to India Mm -hmm. two three times a year, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they travel a lot less now, but. They've got the import-export business going, and then they go from, mm-hmm. you know, tour to tour, festival to festival. They go to mm-hmm. Gathering of the Vibes, and then they jump on to, you know, Allman yeah. Brothers Tour, and then they jump on to something else. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So you're not going to get shaken down on Shakedown Street necessarily. Yeah. Well, if somebody <laughs> says six up, that means the cops are coming. That's that's oh, some okay. of the that's some of the lo- the lingo. Gotcha. <laughs> So what you're saying, places where those cops will be difficult like that anymore. Uh So, for example, the Grateful Dead stopped coming to Cincinnati for decades because the police were overly um, vociferous. Yeah, so then they just stopped coming here. You know, they went to other places instead. Mm -hmm. So one of the weird, interesting things about Shakedown Street is that it is a primary example of pure unadulterated unfettered capitalism mm-hmm. and, it, and it's very pure state there's no laws there's no regulations there's no yeah. tax there's no oversight it's there's a lot of bartering a lot oh, of bartering it's a, cool. it's a pure market economy and mm-hmm. based on supply and demand oh, so cool. it's yeah. a pretty neat example of that yeah i'll give you a t-shirt for two of those beers kind of stuff right. cool. yeah yeah definitely i'd like to mm-hmm. it seems like a, a pretty um relaxed place to to spend an after, or, you know. Saturday oh, you like this necklace? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about a hat? Places I've traveled and I, I've I've circum- mm-hmm. circumnavigated the world and lived a few different places, mm-hmm. and I can I can chameleon like fit in a lot of places. But Shakedown Street is the place on the planet where I feel I most fit in as my true self. Yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. I gotta at go all. home with that. Yeah, how I'm dressed or whatever else or anything. I have no worries of any description in the world. It's mm-hmm. like my my chronic anxiety is gone. Just simply mm-hmm. seeing my friends and hearing the sounds. Home. Yeah. It's, Didn't you have a huge home. beard last week, man? I did. At one, I did. I did. I was. Yeah, I'm and not ready you, to be Gandalf yet. I shaved. Aaron, not, didn't I'm you have a few more inches? On did you get a haircut? Yeah, um, that, that was mine. Got, no? I got it trimmed. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. So you had yeah. to, yeah, it's it's the summer beard. It's time to go back to school now. I had a I had a pandemic beard. I've been a hermit for a long time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, what, so I mentioned that fish is kind of a spiritual thing for not just myself but a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And I've always, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm a, I consider myself a fairly rational, scientifically trained individual, except mm-hmm. sometimes, right? So you know, with song lyrics, sometimes a Grateful Dead will speak to me. I remember once Jerry Garcia directly sang to me or whatever. And um, last weekend, you got the lady with the fan connection, I think, too. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a story that we will need to open that can of worms. My goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Trey sang directly to me on mm-hmm. on Friday night and said, "Everything's right. Just hold tight." He, he just sang it to Ray. He looked me in the eye, you know, even though I was out in the lawn and 30,000 people, I'm sure he was looking mm-hmm. at me. <laughs> and, and he told me directly, you know, hey, you know, this world, you know, this crazy world that we're in, everything is going to be okay. The sun's going to come up and everything's really going to be all right. right. And I, I walked away from those cornfields believing it. I still believe it now. 
maybe okay at least one more fish question um you've been to i'm I'm sure you've both been to concerts where there were let's say less than a thousand or more than as you said 20 more than thirty thousand. so the question is how different is the the vibe i mean which one do you prefer do you have a preference for for like the larger versus the smaller oh small okay yeah. That usually means you're talking indoor versus outdoor, right? Well, um, well, I'm just talking about like the, the I know that there can be they have, like, they have festival shows at like uh-huh. abandoned Air Force bases and, yeah. you know, Indian reservations and places like that where they'll bring in, you know, 70,000 plus for a show. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but how does the, how does having that many people sync up to the band um, How much they're one of the bands there? that um, basically that the energy that the audience gives them right. comes back out. Right. It, mm-hmm. it's, there's there's a flow going on there. It's, yeah. it's so is it more. way better with a smaller crowd or with a larger crowd? They're just different. Yeah. I, I couldn't say better. Okay. How about you, Jeff? I, I, I agree with Aaron. It's um, I understand what you're trying to ask and uh-huh. the question, but from from like our point of view, it's not. I don't know, it's not relevant. It's not okay. It's not a question that's answerable. It doesn't it matter how many it, people are together loving fish. It's just the it, it has to do with love. This, this, Aaron mentioned energy and it's this uh-huh. connection that you feel. And you, right. and you actually I don't know, one of the, the key phrases, you know, um catchwords mantras from fish is surrender to the flow. Mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot. About mm-hmm. and I was the with flow a, and the hose. Yeah. Okay. Oh gosh, I was with a newbie on on Sunday. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this girl was 22 years old, and one of our friends invited her because she wanted to see what fish was like. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh my gosh, this poor girl. What's good? What's this, this girl's going to freak? And on the way into the concert, we're driving from our campground into the venue. You know, and um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember we asked her, "What other concerts have you seen so far, Sarah?" And she said, "Oh, I've been to a Janet Jackson concert." <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was that like? Did you like it? Like, yeah, Janet Jackson was great. So, mm-hmm. and, and this is a true fish kind of thing. I said the, some of the funnest things happen outside the concert. So, without thinking about it, our um, driver dialed up um, "Nasty Boys" by Janet Jackson on his MP3 player and cranked it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and, and we were rocking Janet Jackson hard going yeah. onto that fish lot. And of the thirty thousand other people pulling onto the fish lot and going to shake down the street. Nobody mm-hmm. else was listening to Janet Jackson, but we Almost had a blast. Certainly. Oh yeah. my gosh, it was fun. So, you know, yeah. we got into the show and I, and, I and, and, and Sarah's a bit overwhelmed because it's an overwhelming thing. All those people, it's easier to go, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, uh-huh. there's a lot of people here and there's a lot of people being individualistic and without cares in the world and acting free. So it mm-hmm. can be kind of like a lot, you know? So mm-hmm. I reminded her of this advice. Um, just go with the flow, surrender to the flow. Let mm-hmm. Trey and, and the boys take you on a journey and just let them guide you and take you where you're going to go. Right. And, and they always lead to someplace just gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, before you mentioned uh, that you thought that Trey was singing to you, uh, I, we've been talking to the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast people. And the, one of the Trailing Wilburys <laughs> mm-hmm. related a similar, like a reverse story, like the, the, the performer. I can't remember which one it was. Like it, when they would have it enough. A rough night, sometimes they would focus on an individual in the crowd, you know, not necessarily someone they want to score with after the show or whatever, but just somebody, you know, actually, you know, the focus their performance on that person in order to try to bring out uh, 
something that's, you know, maybe they don't feel like it's there from the beginning, you know? So I think that that's, and that, that sounds happens, you know. to me, that sounds like a, a, I don't know, maybe a Tom Petty thing because it may have been, yeah, yeah. May have been pe- you know, because he seems to want to be like the every man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He, he seems to have done the most interviews. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But so you're, we should say, you know, uh, you're, you're a musician yourself, you're a saxophone player and you're mm-hmm. a local musician and you perform around the area. So we should definitely touch on that and talk about, uh, you know, some of the bands you played with and where you can be. Do you want to hear a quick story that relates to what you're just talking about, the traveling Wilburys? Oh, oh yeah. yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So we were playing at a bar down in over the Rhine called Motor which is mm-hmm. a popular night spot. And the place was pretty busy and a good number of people were dancing. But these, this pretty girl at the bar was sitting at the bar with her back towards to us, talking mm-hmm. with her friend, totally ignoring us. And I mm-hmm. was 50 feet away with my hands full of saxophone and dancing, sweating up a storm and juggling percussion instruments, et cetera. And I made it in my mind, my mission to get her up dancing. And mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to see if I could use the power, just the tone of my saxophone to communicate with her to get up dancing. And this is going to, I, this is going to sound strange, but it was 100% effective. It worked. It took about 25 minutes or so. And the way it worked was at first, like when the horn section would hit, and I was part of a, a horn section, this, this, this thumping funk band. We um, were awarded Best Live Act in Cincinnati in 2015. We had, we had fun. People are dancing and we're sweating. And when the horn hits came, I would hit it just a little bit early and with a little bit extra volume. And it was just enough to get your attention. And the first thing that happened is that pretty girl turned her head from the bar from, during the conversation. Like, what was that? And then turned her head back to her friend and was talking to her friend, you know. And a couple mm-hmm. of songs later or something, and then I hit a, I hit a sack, what, unfair advantage. I was a wireless mic. I was able to jump off the stage a little bit. Right, but I didn't get up to her or whatever, but I was making enough of a ruckus in that club standing on tables that she had no choice but to pay attention. And then after <laughs> mm-hmm. that, she was dancing. So mm-hmm. without saying a single word at all, and she wasn't like next to me. It was like, I don't know, there was a lot of people between us in this crowded club. Music mm-hmm. is powerful. It's insanely powerful. Yeah. That's, that's why the CIA had a um, file on James Brown. They knew mm-hmm. that he was, he was capable of both stopping a riot and, and starting one. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a great story. I mean, did, uh, actually so, did, did you follow up? I mean, did you have an encounter with her after? Never. Time? So that's where the cool thing about playing saxophone ends because three hours later, by the time we're done and we packed up, everybody in the club except for the bartenders are gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just about the music. I mean, so that's, that's what's beautiful yeah. about it. You yeah, know, and you touch somebody. Your eyes and... get lost in it and yeah. dance with the music and what it's. I don't know. You, you, you're familiar with college entrance exams. If you've taken an SAT or ACT, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. whatever, I suppose. Remember how your head felt all dizzy and worn out after that? That's because it was such a full on academic experience. It literally wears you out, right? Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm one of those odd people that's invigorated by taking tests. Yeah. 
I I could skip the homework and ace the tests every yeah. time. Okay. Me too, oh, but I know. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. See. If you combine, mm-hmm. if you think about the most physical activity you've yeah. done, like I was on our lacrosse team at, at university, you know, and you get done, you get yeah. off of the pitch, and you're just absolutely completely spent and can't barely move. Playing funk saxophone in a band felt like both. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. You're physically wore out and sweaty and mentally wore out because you're concentrating like mad because you know you have to come in certain parts or whatever, right? Right. Uh-huh. A huge exercise in concentration. But yeah, it's the best fun I ever had. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, no, I get that. So sort of a mm-hmm. jazz funk fusion is that kind of what you you play or? Yeah, but I'm not. Um, Cincinnati's um, blaster cursed with an overabundance of highly trained musicians from our music conservatory, which mm. attracts you know skilled musicians from across the country. So mm-hmm. I don't get many jazz gigs because uh-huh. I'm not trained that way. Mm. And there are plenty of um, friends of mine who are. Yeah. You know, who studied at school and are exceptionally well versed at it. Yeah. So I, but you know, I I get plenty of work playing rock, R and B, country and western. You know, I um I'm I'm musically promiscuous. I like trying new things, mm-hmm. at least musically, anyway. Right. I um, can see uh, some Johnny Cash going on. Yeah. What mm-hmm. we played last weekend, um, Willing, which there was, you go. Yeah, I had never played before. What a beautiful song. Willing, mm-hmm. that's a cash little, song? little feet. Oh, little feet. Okay. Yeah, little feet. That's John's big. Uh, his a uh, fascination. Mm-hmm. He loved that band. Yep. Yeah, my dad did. <laughs> so, are are you pretty much out playing every weekend, Jeff? Um, well, my 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 day job is as a eighth grade history teacher right. at one of our local public schools. Mm-hmm. So during the summer, when I don't have to get up, it's um it's awesome. Um, so I've been out playing quite a bit this summer. During the school year, I won't go out as often on a school night, unless it's a paid gig. But um, I'm about ready to join a new band. We've been rehearsing a couple of times. I don't even think I told Aaron this, but it's finally time. I can't believe I've played all these years and I've never joined a Grateful Dead cover band. But I believe oh my I've landed Branford Marsalis' saxophone role the Branford. in a Grateful Dead cover band, which is going to be so much fun. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I've been practicing it forever just because I love it. So okay. yeah, we'll see how it goes. So yeah, out of nice size to, of the world. You're going to have to clue us into uh, Friday and Saturday gigs because we don't, we're, we're nine to five. I've got the school night too. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't mm. like Sunday nights. We wouldn't, we yeah. won't go out Sunday I, nights. I kind of matured prematurely. Yeah. yeah. Like I kind yeah, of shut down Sunday evenings. <laughs> yeah. He's the youngest old guy I know. <laughs> Well, if there's a there's a jam session tonight that will play psychedelic rock, jam band, bass rock. Yeah. There'll be a lot of other there'll be a lot of musicians in the room who like the Grateful Dead and Fish and jam music. Yeah. Um, and I can go tonight and I can wail until one or two o'clock in the morning and have a blast. But tomorrow is also the first day of school. Right. Yeah. So oh, I, I have to pay the piper. I mean, you know, at my at, at our age, I suppose it's harder to bounce back. I'll be tired all next week for being out tonight. Yeah, <laughs> right. Sometimes exactly. it's worth it. Dude, so, disco nap. Mm-hmm. There you go. Take a nap ahead of time. Mm-hmm. When you go tonight, mm-hmm. is it just going to be a collection of musicians uh, literally jamming, or are you joining a, you know, a band? They like to take turns going up on stage. And people, okay. people come and go, join. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's the best thing ever, and sometimes it's a complete nightmare. And the, and the appeal, I guess, is the sadistic appeal is you have no idea which until you get there. 
Yeah. yeah. That's so, okay. I had a great time. The one be there, what they're going to call. And as, um, as a saxophone player, I rarely like drive the bus, you know, I kind of mm-hmm. jump on other people's things and then right. play whatever. So I don't know what it'll be like right. quite often. It's fun. And sometimes it's, I don't know, not. You feel like it's, a, it's kind of, I guess it's like awkward at times. And then other times it just kind of, you know. I got two questions and you don't have to name names. But do you ever get to a jam session and go, oh, heck, he's here? Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah and, it's, and he he doesn't have a name, but he exists right. He exists on every continent of the planet. That's oh, yeah. One, yeah. one of the cool things about my saxophone is I, I can I can wash up anywhere, and it's it's really is universal. I could bust mm-hmm. it out and make friends and trade it for, you know, shots at the bar or whatever and survive. I'm not yeah, very realistic. I couldn't do it in the wild, guys. You don't don't put me like in the woods or a jungle, or whatever. Be dead in an hour, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But as long as I have my saxophone or whatever, we'll be we'll be okay. As long as there's a bar, you know. Yeah, exactly. So the, there's always this old guy who plays harmonica and won't stop. Mm-hmm. And he, and it's bad yeah. because they just musically are just kind of like just babbling over the whole conversation. They and only babbling over the parts my saxophone would normally play. Mm. So it's just yeah. Yeah. I cringe when I see him yeah. because they're, I don't know, usually an older guy who never gets out and doesn't have much skill and they're having the time of their life, but it's not helping others. Yeah. Okay. And my second question, saxophone, is mm. um, President Clinton, mm. did his saxophone playing have any impact at all on the culture, on the popularity? Oh, that's tough. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because well, I mean, was, you like, weren't in the country then, so yeah. Well, I just, I just was. So yeah. Okay. Be his first term, and then I left. Yeah, that's I, when he was playing. Any time a celebrity is seen to be playing specifically your instrument, like uh-huh. um, during the Olympics, I found out that Katie Ledecky, the uh, you know, the medalist swimmer, she uh-huh. plays saxophone. Okay. Right. So I don't. That's going to help. That's not yeah. going to hurt. You know. Right. Um, but I don't know if it had that big of an impact or not because he, it was universally agreed that he pretty much sucked. He wasn't. He wasn't like cringeworthy, horrible. He's only doing it for a gimmick. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He can play just enough. He probably played it in high school band or something. And and you you wonder because when's he going to practice? He's busy as hell. He's running for president. You wouldn't expect the guy running for president to have time to be able to practice. You know. Well, he can take off some golf time. I I forget who the quotes from, but they said uh, that Clinton plays saxophone like David Bowie plays saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> that was Bowie's first instrument though. Ah. So he started off on on sax, which is why Bowie quite frequently includes sax solos and stuff, which is yeah. Van Morrison too. Yeah. Well plus mm-hmm. Clinton had a pretty busy, you know, off hour schedule anyway with other mm-hmm. pursuits. Yes. But he, he might have <laughs> had to figure out a way to play saxophone and, and and attract that pretty girl at the bar at the same time. I never managed it. Maybe he, yeah. Right. He just learned enough to uh, impress ladies, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. so who, uh, who who was the saxophonist that inspired you? Who was like an inspiration to you? Yeah. How did you become a sax player? Oh, wow. Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Well, directly, it was my maternal grandfather. Mm-hmm. My grandpa, Albert, played saxophone from the time that he was in grade school. And then they formed a big band called the Seven Sharps, which is relatively well-known locally. They played for a lot of dances. I know a lot of babies were made after nights of drinking beer, listening to the Seven Sharps in the 40s and 50s and 60s. <laughs> and um, they, they played a typical big band music at the time, but that's what got the gigs. And 
he played he played that for forever. He finally um, retired from it when he was mid eighties. Yeah. So the story of how it actually started is kind of cool, and it's it's true, which makes it even better. Um, West Side of Cincinnati, German Catholic family. Um, my mom is the oldest of six kids. And back then, stereotypes, women weren't allowed to play saxophone. So my mom and my aunt were given the chance. My grandpa tried to get my three uncles to play, but they never did. My youngest uncle, Ken, the black sheep of the family, picked up clarinet just to make grandpa mad. Well, <laughs> right? But none of them, none of them played saxophone. Men named Ken, all of them. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm the oldest grandkid. I'm the oldest grandkid of about three dozen cousins, uh-huh. you know. Um, and he, I was too young, but I guess he waited as long as he could. I was about seven years old and my grandparents lived within walking distance of us. So we saw him quite a bit. It wasn't unusual for them to walk over to our house together, but this time it was weird because it was just grandpa and he had this weird brown case with him and he opened up this case and a shiny piece of brass came out and he took his time and assembled it and put it together and played some songs and then put it back away, put it back in the case and left my house while sing a single word. He didn't say hello. Oh, wow. That is. It was kind of wild. Right. And then he came back a couple days later and did it again. Uh All right. And this time I'm tugging at his sleeve or whatever, you know. How old were you? He came back a third time. He had a second case. Mm -hmm. Would you like, would you like to try it? Oh, please, please, grandpa. And he suckered me in hard. Probably the the best thing anyone's (laughs) ever done for me in my life. Grandpa, Mm -hmm. thank you so incredibly much. That's cool. How, How old were you? Well, you're not supposed to play. The typical advice now is to start on clarinet, actually, and then move uh-huh. to saxophone or whatever Ironically. when you're in junior high. But I was mm-hmm. probably about seven. I was mm-hmm. a bit young. So the saxophone was almost as big as you were. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm 16. <laughs> it I'm sounds like it was, it was kismet. Oh, yeah. It really it was, was. I mean, it was love spending time with my grandpa. And we were learning out of this old 1930s coffee-stained book of Reggio's and stuff he had. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on to you know high school and stuff like that. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't study music at college. Mm-hmm. So I was given that kind of start choice and I didn't carry on with my I, I studied anthropology and psychology. So mm-hmm. I came back to music later in life. Was it the saxophone? Like when you think of a brass band, you think about Benny Goodman or Glenn Miller. And then the saxophone was kind of the it was probably the almost like the uh, electric guitar of a brass band, right? Because, I mean, the sax player, the, the, the tone and everything like mm-hmm. that is just a little bit sexier, you know, a little bit silkier, a little cooler, you know. Well, much, um, to, much to my guitar playing friend's annoyance, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the guitar was electrified to make mm-hmm. the guitar sound more like a saxophone. Oh, wow. Yeah, because of that sustain and be able to keep it ringing and, and mm-hmm. also be able to bend. You can bend notes like a, with an electric guitar the same as you can with a saxophone reed. Yeah. So, yeah, my friends don't like to hear that, but I believe it's historically true. <laughs> that is cool. And when you think about the posture that the saxophonist plays, you know, a lot of times, you know, just mm-hmm. things holds his arms and stuff like that. It's uh, It does it's, kind of recall the guitar. Did your grandfather like leave you a baritone sax that you learned to play or something like that or give you one? I thought yeah, I was... I've got his I've got our family's original alto from one owner from new from bought in nineteen thirty two by my great grandpa. Wow. Yeah. I collect Do you still use that on occasion or I had done. I done it, it's still giggable. I mean it, it still plays. I mean, it, the cool thing about brass instruments is if you choose them well and you take care of them, they'll age well. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like you know, vintage instruments go off or, or bad or anything else. As mm-hmm. long as you don't drop them. Yeah, or, it can't get wood rot. Yeah. And reeds are replaced. 
Yeah, and there's there's pads on them. They're made of leather. These leather pads that you know close the tone holes to, to make the sound go where it's supposed to. You replace those every ten years or so. Mm -hmm. As long as you keep them maintained, you know, there's saxophones will play for well over hundred years. No worries. Yeah. yeah. Some of the brass is better. Don't make them like they used to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see that movie Whiplash? No, I I, I know what it is. But I haven't seen it. I'm afraid. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. What is it? It's a very. It's almost like. Uh, I, I would like to say it's almost like um, uh, like going to uh, the military academy for musicians. And it's got the, the guy from... Um, oh, it's the one with um, J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Oh, that's plays. the one he won the Oscar for. Yeah, it's really good. No, um, I haven't seen it. I'd like to. Oh, it's it's really good. It's really good. Oh, I'm trying to remember if the drum protagonist played sax. Did you that see that? Yeah, yeah. I okay. It's really, I did it's you got a lot of uh, cringy moments. He's such a he's such a, a jerk yeah. <laughs> to the students. But mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I don't... He really was a music major, J.K. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I believe you know. Yeah, he's a he's definitely a, a composer, an underknown, well known, you know, yeah. a, a Renaissance man. Well, I should yeah. bring up movies when I actually have a point to it. But I, I was yeah. just wondering because I have a feeling that your uh, introduction to music wasn't like going to um, mm -hmm. military school. It was more. It was kinder. It sounds kinder. Yeah. If a little bit manipulative. <laughs> well, my, my introduction to music was being left on my own to flick the doorstop, you know, behind the door. You know, the sprung coil door. Doorstop. Oh, yeah. I used to yeah. jam on those. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, it, I used to love those. It was, well, it was my first concrete example that i can recall where i realized that i was capable of manipulating sound that i was you know as a toddler i was in control of that sound i could make it sound higher pitched or lower pitched louder or softer based on my movement it was kind of a cool understanding yeah rubber bands then, too yeah rubber bands did you ever play a juice harp no but i have had the song the rubber band man by the spinners stuck in my head for about three weeks and aaron just put it back there immediately so thank you aaron <laughs> What a bad song. I mean, that yeah. song's about a guy playing like a rubber band struck between his toes or something, isn't it? Something mm -hmm. yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it is an earworm. Uh, that does stay with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I used to, I used to play the, uh, the doorstop and, um, my experience with playing the doorstop was quit that. <laughs> so not exactly a musical introduction so much as a annoy your mother introduction. <laughs> Well, I, I mentioned my, my grandpa, but then when I started to find music and stuff like that, now that I've had a chance to listen to what I want to, the mm. musician that is m my single favorite, the one concert that if I could go back in time and see anybody, even more so than Charlie Parker, whatever, I know, sacrilege, <laughs> is um, a gentleman from Columbus, Ohio, whose name was Rasan Roland Kirk. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Kirk or not, but he was... Well, he, he was born in poverty in Columbus, Ohio, and then accidentally blinded as a toddler. The nurse, I think, put the wrong eye drops in his eyes and painfully blinded him, which is awful. Yeah. So, now he's, so he's, now he's poor, black, and blind, which means that music is, your, is, is the way out. And he was just, just naturally gifted and breathed music from every pore of his. His family yeah. found that he was a prodigy when an uncle came over and started playing um, the family piano after church one Sunday. And mm -hmm. they heard the sound of what they thought was a trumpet accompanying it. And it wasn't, uh -huh. it was three-year-old Roland Kirk underneath the front porch blowing into a hose pipe. Wow. Uh, 
Huh. <laughs> I mean, the guy heard music on the train tracks. He heard music in the trees rustling. Mm -hmm. You know, he sneezed in time. Mm -hmm. So what's your musical influence is everything you've ever heard. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a, the sound of thunder echoing across the Ohio River Valley after a thunderstorm. It's all of it. When you think mm -hmm. about like uh, Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder, they say that it's like you've got an allotment of sensory uh, you know, uh, perception. And if, if you're deprived of one, then your others are enhanced. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's almost like um, these genius, you know, yeah. genius is like Stevie. Maybe the blindness yeah. is the genius. Yeah, it seems like it. I, I think it's undeniably true because it's just too high proportion of examples of, of guys who, when women have turned out that way. But yeah, with Roland, Roland Kirk is another one like Ray Charles. So it's I might not be inherently tone deaf if I were blind. Somehow I think it's not a good trade-off. It's a good trade-off for the rest of the world, but not for the yeah, yeah, person. no, no. Um, so yeah, I'm, ever, I'm not going to work that <laughs> angle. Have you ever uh, come across Bootsy Collins in your travails? Uh, not directly. Personal. I'm, I'm not. No, I haven't. No, no, because we didn't. Uh, he has, I don't know, this, the music scene is kind of strange. He had favorites that he dubbed, you know, in the local funk scene to go on. And it wasn't He had us, Shad, right? Treat Bass is kind of the guy that he passed his baton to. Mm. And, okay. And we were doing too well. <laughs> okay. Oh, so, so you were competition. Yeah, Bootsy didn't show up at our gigs, put it that way. Uh, okay. Hey, that's okay. Although, that's I've a actually shared the stage with Freak Fun. Freak Bass is a nice guy, nice enough guy. Yeah. Chris Sherman, family man, great musician. So I got no know His name is Freak Bass. Yeah. Okay. Local local funk musician, bass player, mm -hmm. who has kind of taken on the baton from Boosie Collins. Skilled guy. Kind of uh, in mm -hmm. the uh, the vein of George Clinton and mm -hmm. Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Super, super nice guy. So we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here's how I met here's how I met Freakface, right? Mm -hmm. We had he had an album release party at the Southgate House Revival and we opened for him, right? Because mm -hmm. he wanted people there. We wanted and we're two probably biggest funk names in all of Cincinnati. And it was a good mm -hmm. night. He filled the place up. It was a wild, cool night. Yeah. And uh, we were playing in the sanctuary, which is the converted kind of church room. And now if, if you if you've been to the Southgate House Revival, you'll see that in the former choir stalls for the old church they mm -hmm. converted it into a quasi green room where you can go up these back stairs behind the stage and then come out in the fire this choir stall that overlooks mm -hmm. the stage mm -hmm. right so you can sit up there and there's a, exactly what you would imagine to be up there a big nasty leather sofa that that's what the troubadour is like mm -hmm. there you go and cigarette butts and you know that one of those couches you'd like to sterilize when no one's looking exactly what you're talking okay. about all right yeah but that, that's the green know, room that's Southgate house and it's open you know in the front where the choir would sing overlooking all of the audience you could look down the stage it's kind of cool mm -hmm. so i had it in my head i planned it out during our sound check how long it would take me to jump off the stage to go backstage to run up these stairs to get up there swing my legs over the balcony and then stand on the other side of this balcony over top of the stage uh -huh. I thought it'd be kind of cool. Yes, on a also safe sounding situation. <laughs> well, I, I I didn't have to dance and do cartwheels when I was up there. I just had to stand still and not fall, right? Right. So, and I safety checked it. When Things I was, I'm so, not good at. 
<laughs> I got I got my head over the over fear heights long ago, right? As long yeah. as you stand still, it doesn't matter if you're standing on the edge of a cliff or if you're just as long as you right. stand still, you're all right. Yeah. So this was my plan, all right? Mm-hmm. Dave comes out, the place is full. We're playing. It comes a part of the song. My heart's kind of racing. Do I dare do this crazy crap or not? All I got, it's hard enough what I'm doing. All I got to do is stand here and just not be an idiot, you know, play the mm-hmm. saxophone. But you chose and idiot. I, oh. So I'm <laughs> having this internal dialogue debate with myself about this crap. I'm like, right. ah, just do it, Demery. Damn it. Just do it. So I jump off the stage, go off stage right, go back behind, you know, run up the stairs. I get upstairs, like I get up to that green room, and the only person up there is Freak Face Sherman sitting on his cell phone, like staring at his cell phone. And he looks up at me like, and he doesn't say anything, he gives me a clear look. What the hell are you doing here, dude? And <laughs> I look, I'm like, uh, hey man, sorry, I gotta go take the solo. And I swing my foot, my leg over the balcony, and he's looking at me like this guy's like jumping off the face of a cliff. And I uh-huh. stood there and I and I oh man, all that adrenaline, I let it rip good. I get you know mm-hmm. when you connect. I, I swung for the, I got this one pretty solid, man. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone screams. I take my bow. I live carefully, leg back over the balcony before you die. And I, this whole time, Free Face is just staring at me. His yeah. jaw hanging on the floor like, dude, I never saw anything like that. He gave me a huge fist bump and I ran back down the stairs <laughs> and joined the band and finished playing. Well, he's probably mm-hmm. saying, how am I going to top this? Yeah. Uh, that's how I met Freak Face. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. We crossed base with, some face with him a few months later, and um, and he asked me to jump on stage with him. We played. I played a few songs with him. It was great fun. You see, and there you are. You're in his memory. No. Forever. Oh Strange. I don't tell these stories ever. This is great fun telling these things. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if anybody ever wants to listen to this crap ever, but it's so, better for worse. I live this book. So what's another story that you've been an interest you really want to tell? I have, if you haven't figured it out by now, I have this, this fetish with climbing on things. Mm. I can't just stand there and play. I like, I, I find the highest thing you can climb on. And I like climbing on roofs and balconies. And I got and that in me too. I have a wireless microphone for my, my sack. So I can, sometimes I'll run out the back door and then run around the block and come in through the front doors. And so people have no idea where I'm at and I'm playing from walk through the crowd from the back of the audience. Mm-hmm that kind of fun so we we got at a venue outside of oxford at um a friend's private campground called hannon's camp america and he Mm -hmm. was hosting a festival get this and again i'm just not clever enough to make any of this crap up it's called wham bam thank you jam (laughs) right (laughs) okay and and we headlined on saturday night in a three-day festival we had the prime slot when they lit the bonfire at 10 p.m or whatever on 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 saturday yeah Mm -hmm. wham bam thank you jam and it's a small festival of maybe no more than like four or 5,000 people, but they're kind people and they're fun people. Yeah. And it was like, there are people and 5,000 people is more than enough. It's still to make you feel, yeah. enough to make you feel like a rock star when you got the right. VIP yeah. band and stuff. With a bonfire. Oh my gosh. So they set up this new thing this, 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 this year, this last year we played where they put these massive speakers up on scaffolding that were about mm-hmm. two stories tall back by the soundboard to further relay the sound back to the field. It was a good improvement, right? Mm-hmm. But there was this big two-story tall scaffolding, you know, next to the soundboard. And I thought, I can climb that. I can get up there. <laughs> I'm th- I, I know I can do this. I need. Uh-huh. So I thought it through while I was sober during the daylight, you know, mm-hmm. two, three o'clock in the afternoon. I, I roped an accomplice. 
a guy named Mike Gregg, who's still a close buddy to me. And that's how we, that's how you make a friend. Hey, Mike, I got a job for you. Guess what? <laughs> and we planned it out, right? I planned my route from leaving the stage in the dark. I had to go behind the guys dancing with fire and juggling fire sticks and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Not get immolated. I had to go behind them or the crowd mm-hmm. can't see me. And then the plan was, so this was a great plan. Mike waited on the, the first ledge of the scaffolding, one story up. And mm-hmm. I reached up and I handed my saxophone up to him. And then mm-hmm. he secured that. Then I climbed up and then I climbed all the way up to the top. And then he passed then my he saxophone up there, right? Right. So, and we timed it, you know, how long is it going to take me realistically to go from, right. and I didn't, the problem, I, I didn't tell anybody in the band I was doing it because that'd be right. no fun. It'd be more fun as a surprise for sure. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the, the part of the song comes and I just kind of casually slip off the back of the riser and out the back. And I mm-hmm. go behind people dancing the fire and be careful not to set myself on fire and stuff. I turn the mm-hmm. microphone off. It's on mute. So nobody can hear me climbing up this thing. I'm hoping Mike's there or else I'm just going to look like an idiot. I was on, I'm down stuck. I'm just yeah. in the middle of nowhere in the dark. Well, you could still do it from the first. It would still be something. I mean, so, not well, as much impact, but still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're now fully engrossed in my thought process while all this is going on. So you're with me, right? Right. Exactly. But he was there, right? I said we're good friends. He didn't let me down. So he was there. I pass my saxophone up. I climb up. I mm-hmm. get to the top. And I get up there. And I'm standing up there. And I clip the saxophone back onto my neck strap. And I'm like, oh, holy cow. Like, we did it. I'm standing here. And then uh-huh. I see something so cool. I got the chance to watch my own band. Yeah, and, and and they were good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people were getting down and grooving, like the whole uh-huh. first 20, 30, 40 people deep uh-huh. in that crowd right. were all getting down, dancing, sweating hard. Like, man, we sound great. This yeah. is good. Yeah. There was, a, and I, what you couldn't see from the stage, I could see a nice full moon right hovering behind the stage that the audience got to see. So it was really one of those good. Oh, it was great. Uh-huh. And then I heard, <laughs> I heard the lead singer call for the saxophone, and I thought, oh crap, that's me. i I closed my eyes and took a deep breath and just surrendered to the flow let it let it rip and people were looking around like where the hell is that what's going on there were spotlights like looking for me and Mm -hmm. i felt i felt the heat of the spotlight hit me about 15 to 20 seconds into the solo i felt it on Mm -hmm. my face from up there and then people started screaming going crazy in the middle of when i was playing I guess it's cool. That is cool. And I survived. Yeah. Yeah. Climbed down, and I'm still here alive to be able to tell you. Do you, do you feel like your, your stunts are a callback or an answer to your not being the lead? I don't know. I think it's just because I'm an idiot. But mainly, <laughs> I don't know. And also because I'm not classically musically trained. Maybe I didn't have yeah. enough musical confidence to stand there naked yeah. and just play. I don't, maybe I felt I had to goof off or whatever. Yeah, I mean, little Jesse James Dupree and your little yeah. chapel, you know. <laughs> I don't, you know, but I, it was born, it was born out of both desperation and mm-hmm. instinct. Like when you're playing a gig that's flatlining and people aren't interacting with you at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I found this out early on, and because a keyboard player can't do it, a guitar player is usually wired in and can't do it. Drummers can't do it, but mm-hmm. I was able to physically jump off that stage and then get into the yeah. crowd. Yeah, because you're not constantly, you're, you're, you're the exclamation point. Well, musicians, not the at, musicians at all levels. When you think of like Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix, who's setting his guitar on fire, or mm-hmm. Keith Moon destroying his drum kit. I mean, musicians uh, uh, are inclined to be theatrical. 
Yeah. 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 Something a lot of people don't know that's completely, totally true is that it's a part of uh, the tradition of of rock and roll music of something called walking the bar, where the saxophone player would climb on top of the bar and play walking across the bar. Yeah. And um, I've done it a few times because of hygiene reasons. A lot of owners don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'll ask their permission instead of making them mad and getting thrown out of their club. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, back in the 50s, that the owners would insist that saxophone players did it because mm-hmm. it made people thirsty. It made yeah. people go loopy and drink like crazy and their profits huh. went through. It mm-hmm. just wound people up. So, yeah, yeah, man, get that saxophone player up on my bar, walk in the bar. Have you ever presented that fact to the bar owners and had them change their mind? Um, I don't know if I've ever had an argument with them. Mm. <laughs> mm. I've had, I usually if they say no I'm like yeah okay whatever dude you're yeah. lost I was gonna make yeah, it's, a, it's a it's a bar rag and a, and a spray of disinfectant dude you, you know while we're talking about this strange subject if something happens uh-huh. while you're doing these strange things right mm-hmm. I, always, I play with sunglasses because my eyes are always closed because there's just mm-hmm. one less sense I need to deal with I right. can't get distracted by you just need to play things. yeah I mean it's hard enough you can break mm-hmm. but um Sorry, yeah, I, I forgot where I was going with that. Sorry. Um, You'll you have to edit that one out. I lost my thread for the first time. Mm-hmm. Sunglasses, you got the sunglasses on. You play with sunglasses. You're uh, walking on the bar. Oh, yeah, walking on the bar. I seem to recall, like, maybe from a Huey Lewis. Oh, if something were to happen while you're doing um, oh, yeah. the so, extra. Yeah, so I, I say, I'm sorry. So you, you can feel, like, the spotlight on you, and you can hear the clicks of selfies and feel, um, like, flashes going off, and there's, like, thousands of them. I have no idea yeah. what happens to them ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just disappear forever. And then every once in a while, one will come back up. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, a parent teacher conference evening or something like that, a parent will show you a picture on her Instagram. Uh-huh. <laughs> on a, standing on a table somewhere or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I seem to recall a, a Huey Lewis video where that what you're talking about was actually mm-hmm. illustrated. Saxophone is <clears throat> across the bar or something. Mm. You, know, I, uh, you mentioned uh, planning these events sober oh yeah okay sure. so you plan them sober are you still sober when they occur yes i yeah, okay. so a, a little known see i only drink ice water because anything else blown through your horn will corrupt the pads and make it ick kind of so a lot of saxophone players brush their teeth before playing too mm. but so i never play while drinking beer or or anything else, and I quit smoking a long time ago. So yeah, I'm 100% stone cold sober, sober doing all that crazy stuff. Yeah, my uh, um, uh, the the thing that connects to that for me is my mother was a a sober person. Um, she had no choice. Uh, if she drank, she would end up in the hospital because of pancreas issues. Hey, listeners, it's Lisa and Phil from Yeah, Uh-huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have social. Twitter. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Instagram. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Facebook. Yeah, Uh-huh Pod. Notice, Notice a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.